Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation of Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. How you doing, Adam? Doing A-OK, Ben. How about you? Couldn't be better. As close as we get to the end of Next Gen, a few people have written in to say what we're going to do next. I think that's a fairly open secret. We're going to do Deep Space Nine next. Yeah, we're going to do Deep Space but, Nine next. Man, I am sad to see TNG go. I have been feeling more and more like that. Reviewing Deep Space Nine is going to be really interesting because it's like the one that everybody says. It's the says, front line it, of Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you got to it before I could, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real race to the punchline there. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are coming to an end, um, I only have the like handful of packs of cards left, Adam, and I was kind of wondering if you wanted to open a few more cards with me. That sounds great. Let's do it. The game is five cards. Done. The game is exceedingly simple. Part of this is just the card data. Time to pluck a vigilant. I have six left, and I feel like these are going to be special, special card dense because of that. But I've I got 12 know. left. Fuck. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have to really go without for a long time. Which is a feeling I'm no stranger to. <laughs> oh, man. This is a particular turd of a pack because it has not one but two De- uh, Deanna Troy's mom cards. It's got Half <laughs> oh, a Life and Menage a Trois. Menage a Troy. I got relics. Do you have relics? Card number 130? Hmm. It is just a really fun picture of Montgomery Scott. Like, yeah. He, his face is the entire thing. Really it's captures great. his essence. I like it. Yeah. Um, I also have one for Tin Man. A classic. Which is has taken the strange approach of just having... A picture of the entrepreneur and a Romulan warbird, and then a actual like tin robot man, <laughs> which has nothing to do with the episode. Let's take all of these episode titles extremely literally. <laughs> oh boy, I'm three packs in and nothing. All right, I got a I got a special on my second pack, Adam. Gah. What do you got? I have a comic book cover for a Star Trek: The Next Generation comic book called Showdown: Winner Takes All, and it has what looks like Doctor Crusher and Chief O'Brien in a phasery firefight with some kind of lizard men. I'm on to pack number five. Really closing the gap here, Ben. Yeah. This is the episode that I've been needing. Oh, no. Another shutout. (laughs) Oh, I got Tin Man. 
You're right, that is a ridiculous card. <laughs> I mean, you ask Juan Ortiz to design 170 whatever cards. Yeah, I'll give like, him a break on you're, that. You're not gonna you're not gonna knock every single one out of the park. And you know, for the most part he does great. Yeah, I mean his greatness is why we're doing this card bit. It's super fun. Yeah. Oh shit, I think we're on pack seven now. Damn. Oh, I'm just covered in card wrappers now. <laughs> so disgusting. Oh no. Shit. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Now you know why I don't like gambling, Adam. <laughs> All right. I got one. How many packs is that? And on the eighth package, I opened a special gold foil autographed card for Suddenly Human, signed no. by Juan Ortiz in a an embossment. Nice. Well, it's not bad. It's not bad at all, but at what cost, Ben? <laughs> at what cost? I, uh, I have four packs left. Adam, I have four packs left. Oh, boy. Well, we'll have to go to be continued on the card I bit. This may be outré on my part, but I say whenever we do the card bit next, we just blow our wads and open up the rest of what we've got. Oh, yeah. We'll do the final four next time on The Greatest Generation. Yeah, but not like the next episode, because that would be... Come on. <laughs> we still have yeah, like 20-something uh, episodes of The Greatest Generation, right? We still have like 20 things of mail to open. <laughs> yeah, and there is like a big queue forming in our email inbox for your uh, for your P.O. box details. So, yeah, let's not get ahead yeah. of ourselves. Well, what do you say we get to know Jordy a little bit better as we experience the emptiness of season seven, episode three <laughs> interface? This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. This episode starts with a pretty cool sequence where Jordy is, like, crawling around in Jeffrey's tubes, and it's it's like one of those, uh, you, you kind of, like, don't notice it until you notice it, that he doesn't have the visor on. His eyes are in perfectly good working order. And he's crawling through these Jeffrey tubes through, like, poison gases and stuff. And it is, it seems strange. And then he, like, walks into a room that is 2,000 degrees and physically on fire. And he's, like, reaching through the fire and pulling levers and pushing buttons until he puts the fire out. Seeing LeVar Burton's eyes here made me think about what a sacrifice it is for an actor, not only in terms of like handicapping himself as an actor, because the eyes are the most expressive part of a face, but seeing his face again in its entirety was nice. He's a good looking man. And yeah. to go seven seasons without showing that on anything that would be on an acting resume, like it feels like it's asking a lot. Yeah, I like what they did in first contact where they put some what are those called? They, they put some like techno contact lenses on him yeah so it's like he's got replacement eyes that do what the visor does a co-worker that i worked with like 10 years ago 
had those in her eyes and subtle is not what she was going for and (laughs) it was massively distracting to interact with her when she had these things in and she had them in all the time I had an RA in college. Uh, I did a study abroad in Dublin, Ireland, and our RA was a guy um, who had the weirdest accent. It was like German-Irish accent. He was he was a very nice guy, but uh, at one point um, it went around that somebody had gone to his room for something fairly late at night, and he had entered the door in a leopard print bathrobe and had cat eye... <laughs> contacts in oh no when he opened the door (laughs) when you're an ra you need to be ready for anything at any time you can't have costume based fuck parties when you're an ra yeah i feel like they should screen for that (laughs) like it's it's totally fine to be somebody that has costume based fuck parties just you can't be on call during one you know yeah so was was there like a furry costume in the room or something? Like I it never feels set, like this is a half measure. I never set foot in this guy's room, but I mean maybe maybe it was something not furry but like furry adjacent, so he didn't need a full body costume. Maybe he could just act like a kitty and that was enough. <laughs> it would have to be enough <laughs> when you're an RA. <laughs> you can't come to a sick student's dorm. In a horsey costume. Yeah. And fit through the doorway. (laughs) So it turns out that Jordy is experimenting with a deep, deep future technology known as VR. (laughs) And just for the uninitiated, that stands for virtual reality. I feel like I'm actually here. I mean, there in the Jeffreys tube. Another device they're experimenting with in this lab is a portable communication and computing device called a cellular phone. (laughs) Every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. This is just crazy science fiction. (laughs) You mean it could make a call and there's no wires plugged into it at all? It's pretty neat to see Jordy in the Batman suit, like experiencing it like no one looks cool doing vr like today no but lavar burden looks cool doing vr in this lab i think mainly because he's wearing a batman suit while doing it (laughs) did you listen to the episode of judge john hodgman where the guy wanted to build a holodeck in his apartment in his house no it was. Uh, it, it may have been the first of the like number of episodes that name checked our show on that show. And if if you're listening to this show and you don't listen to Judge John Hodgman, like you are, you have your priorities a little out of whack. Judge John Hodgman is great. Um, yeah. But this guy, uh, he wanted to get like a super souped up gaming PC and all the VR stuff, and like, and then paint his bedroom black and put yellow stripes on the walls <laughs> and his uh his wife or girlfriend who had taken him to court was like no we're not doing that to the master bedroom in our house i'm sure that this guy would think if we were on the jury that we would vote in his favor but i wouldn't <laughs> no that sounds like a terrible idea <laughs> yeah I could be conflating it, but I think that he had a like an unfinished basement in his house that 
was a totally obvious place to do this in, but he was afraid to go down there because he was worried there might be uh, millipedes or something in there. Oh, yeah, I did hear this episode. The bug thing. Yeah. Those centipedes will fuck you up, man. Will they? I thought they just crawled around and did nothing. No, I think I think they bite you bad. Huh. That's interesting. I've uh I've never and seen when one those in... hundred legs got you in their grasp <laughs> and you can't break free. <laughs> Cause centipedes are made of insects and insects are strong. Now, everybody knows it's impossible to wedge a Jaws joke into into any old joke, but what this podcast presupposes is maybe it's not. Oh man, you just incepted that hat. <laughs> I put a hat under the hat. Yeah, that's what you did. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so scared for us right now. Yeah, I don't know I don't know how we get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And so they're doing a fair amount of like explaining to a character in order to explain to a viewer what the rules of the episode are. Riker, in this case, plays the dumb. It looks like this is going to work. Yeah. He's which... like, uh, so what's Jordy wearing and what's he doing? And Beverly is like, well, here's the thing. Yeah. Riker walks uh, in and he's like, why is that nerd dressed like Batman? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we can't just have him wear the goggles because we need him to be able to feel tactile sensations. Riker's like, great, can I borrow this suit and go into holodeck four? I've got my own experiments to run. <laughs> Tactile sensations, you say? <laughs> so I'm wondering if part of the suit, there's like sort of a flashlight-looking sleeve <laughs> component. <laughs> Special silicone part on the end that's molded to look like a wormhole or say... It's interesting that Riker is the is the dumb in this because he then winds up being guy who is in charge of the probe the entire time. Yeah. Um what they're doing is like Jordy in this suit is being fed information from a remote probe that they can send down and do an away mission in a non-life-threatening uh way. It's like it's sort of the Predator drone of Starfleet away mission technologies. Sure. He gets in the in the VR Batman suit and clamps this thing around his visor inputs and he sees, feels, smells, tastes and touches everything that the probe can can. And uh and they're preparing it for a rescue mission. There's a uh there's a ship that has gone missing in the atmosphere of a gas giant planet and uh and this probe they think they can send in without you know risking the lives of any of the crew and see if they can salvage the ship and possibly even save the lives of the crew of the ship if i were to tell you that we were going to make a star trek the next generation episode wherein geordi is the virtual operator of a probe how much of that probe would you bet that we would show in that episode? Right, they never... A yeah. fair amount, at least, right? But in this episode, you you only get a reflected look at it. You only get a look at it through a a, view, a computer screen. Yeah. Like, th- it, there's always some obstruction to seeing it fully, and it made me wonder if they had an incomplete 
comp of it or they hadn't finished the model or maybe they just weren't proud of it yeah well it's interesting it's um i mean like what i wondered about is like the last time we had a practical effect of something floating in space it was the it was an exocomp it was the it, yeah exactly and it looked weird and bad and yeah and I wonder if they kind of learned their lesson from that and said like, let us, let us kind of play like 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 and and I think the the decision they make here is the right one. Like the probe when he looks at his reflection as probe, looks really cool and it's kind of tantalizing. But it does like there's nothing about seeing it float down a hallway that will add to that. You know. Yeah, I I completely agree. Obscuring it can only do it a favor because when they did not obscure the exocomp, it was to its detriment. Right. Almost everything is to an exocomp's detriment, though. <laughs> I wonder if they ever gave any thought to making the probe an exocomp. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it was like being John Malkovich, Star Trek TNG edition. Well, they're doing so many callbacks in season seven. Why not? Being John yeah, bring Exocomp. Bring Yeah. <laughs> if you're playing the Exocomp drinking game, you're now drunk. Adam, I'm drinking some mezcal, so I will take a, take a couple of Exocomp drinks in honor of the drinking game. So this has all been a practice run for the big game, right? Right. Yeah, they're like pulling into orbit of this gas giant when we come back from title sequence, and uh, and they're getting ready to go. And uh, Picard gets called away. He gets called away to his ready room. He's got an admiral on the line. Hello, Marcus. Jean-Luc. This admiral calls without sending a text first, and that would really annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like calls that I'm not expecting. Man. Maybe that's a fairly recent development for me, but geez. Adam, do you identify as a millennial or as a Gen X, or is there something in between those two? I identify myself as a Gen X. I don't believe I am a millennium. I am... I, believe... I was born in 79, if, that, if yeah. that matters technically. Well, I think, it, yeah. I mean, our friend Jesse Thorne is the voice of the millennial generation, and he's a little bit older than me, so I, I must fall within the millennium parameters if that's the case i I totally associate the screening a call with a text move as a millennium move surprised to hear that coming from a gen xer like yourself yeah that is that is one way where i i maintain a very youthful carriage (laughs) about myself yeah keeps me young ben yeah it keeps you young you're very young seeming adam so hip. You're, you're lithe. You're vivacious. So knowledgeable about the trends. Nobody could mistake you for an old. Yeah. You're so full of piss and vinegar. A delicious salad dressing of piss and vinegar. That's me. <laughs> we were out of olive oil. Put that on my greens. <laughs> I blew a friend's mind one day by, uh, by making honey mustard dressing. For him whoa i was like oh yeah let's just uh let's make some honey mustard for this this will be awesome these are the sort of friends that i hang out with i'll make salads for them he he was under the impression that honey mustard could only be obtained in pre-mixed format 
And I was like, you know what honey mustard dressing is, right? It's equal parts honey and mustard. And I could watch every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. He had no idea. <laughs> yeah, you want to blow someone's mind? Make them some, some fresh, fresh honey mustard for those greens. Uh, I, put a, I put honey mustard on fried chicken. Oh, that's great. That's good eating. When you're at a restaurant and, and the server gives you the list of dressings, is that the one that you go for? Uh, I don't really order salads at restaurants, Adam. Whoa. I don't like to waste my money. Oh, jeez. Really? If, if the salad comes with the meal, I'm, I'm going to eat it. I'm just not, I don't want to pay $12 for it. Mm. Seems like too much money for not enough. <laughs> You're all about value. Yeah, like, like if I go to a barbecue restaurant and they have a situation where it's like you get your meat and your two sides and coleslaw is not an automatic, it like it pisses me off so much to have to burn one of my sides on coleslaw. Like I want to assume that the coleslaw is coming. There's a there's a great barbecue restaurant uh, in South Seattle that I've been going to called Jack's. I'll give them a free plug because that place is great. <laughs> And me and my buddy Phil have been going there for like a year, and we we do that thing where we we overorder and overeat, and we never get the salad. We always get meat appetizer and meat dessert. And until this most recent time, we went there and saw that they had a meat salad, which was <laughs> a spicy Caesar salad with brisket on top, <laughs> and that unlocked the code for me to that restaurant because. Now I don't need to go straight home and take a nap. Now I can go on with the rest of my day. Meat salad was the answer, Ben. Yeah. I think you are wrong about a lot of life choices, Adam. (laughs) I'm so glad that we're doing a show where little by little, you can teach me all the ways that I've been wrong. It is a guiding principle of a soft leading base. If you can't find it within yourself, just stand up, tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. We've got this admiral on the FaceTime, and he's, uh, he's unloading some pretty rough news on Picard. The starship Hera has gone missing, and uh, all, all souls aboard are presumed missing and or dead. What we should say is Jordy's mom is the captain of the starship Hera, and all he could think of is how many times has an admiral had to call her up and said and say the entrepreneur has been missing for like 6 months we have no idea what's going on oh man that's such a great call like Jordy's mom has gotten 30 of these messages <laughs> yeah. over the last 6 years every time they go in a space butthole or a time loop or something like <laughs> like this has got to be such a routine part of life in the, if you're in starfleet your personnel file is just a permanent stamp of missing and presumed dead if you're stationed on the entrepreneur. You're totally right how how it must cut both ways. Like, this is the core of what's wrong with this episode for me, is, like, mm-hmm. I, can, I can get down with a character feeling like their parent was taken away from them too soon or, you know, like... If she was not the captain of a Starfleet vessel and had, if there was some other explanation for why she's missing, uh, it would, it would read a lot more for me. But like, 
the whole episode, Jordy's going like, there's probably some crazy space butthole explanation for where the hero went. And everybody's like, what? What are you talking about? Preposterous. And he's like, that happens to us fucking every week. <laughs> That's happened to us like a hundred times in the last seven years. For real. For us, the answer is always butthole. <laughs> Why don't we just write in pencil, butthole? <laughs> we can always correct it later. <laughs> and when Picard has to relay this news to Geordi, there is not the understanding that, you know, what is Starfleet if not a dangerous career where buttholes appear from nowhere and, and take your ship and crew from you? There is just a complete denial of this of this information and the and the possible conclusions that could come from it nobody holds out any hope like the people that met Nagilam hold out no hope for Jordy's mom yeah but Jordy keeps the candle lit the Hera is missing that's all until I hear something different my mother just might as well have taken the crew on an unscheduled holiday yeah so they get this mission going and he's probing around the ship and it's like it's getting it's it's more intense than the test than the tests that they did with the with the probe like he's kind of traveling around the ship and he so he believes himself to be like physically walking around the ship and he's looking at you know dead bodies all over the place there are all these all these like people in their starfleet science uh pajamas all over there's a fun iron man scene where he like conjures a phaser Discharge out of his hand. Yeah, I love that. You know, like the, the game that they play with Jordy in the VR as a probe with all of these tools is really interesting. It's great. I I wish uh, I wish we'd gotten a better episode that used this. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it it is really fun. Like to, for him to say like, can can you like up the tractor beam from the probe? And they like they like make him able to lift a beam that he otherwise wouldn't be able to lift. Yeah. Um, you know, just by like turning the potentiometer on that part of the probe. Everybody aboard the Raman is, has bought the farm. This place is a tomb. They all like tried to hide themselves in the uh in the walk-in cooler in the restaurant section of the Raman thinking that would be the safest place, but they uh they succumbed to the there were like hull breaches and the shitty atmosphere from this gas giant got in gas giants are super radioactive too so it makes sense that um that a, a hull breach would be a death sentence and so he's looking at all these dead bodies and he's like holy shit there's also a huge fire in here and he lifts his hands up and we cut back to Jordy in batman vr costume and the doctor lifts his hands up to camera they're burned like, if there is a burn past third degree, like, these are, like, seventh degree burns. <laughs> this shit is nasty. Have you ever burned your hand cooking? Like, burned it badly? Uh, yeah, I've burned myself a couple of times. God, that shit is so painful. I usually get the back of the hand, like, like if I'm, like, putting something in the oven, and I get the back of the hand on, like, the oven door or something. I've grabbed a panhandle out of the oven, like just not thinking, and like that big hand blister is the worst. It's so painful. I can't imagine. And looking at Jordy's hands here, he gives out like the the I'm in pain scream. Ah! 
but I don't feel like he he screams the way that he should if like every nerve in his in both of his hands has been fried at once, which would be probably one of the worst pains you could feel. One of the most complicated memories I have from my childhood, Adam. Seeing your dad's dick. <laughs> the second most complicated memory I have from my childhood <laughs> is that my father took me out to a, a hamburger restaurant in the Bay Area. And uh, one thing I liked to do when I was a kid, when we went to a hamburger restaurant, is when we would sit down, I would shake up the bottle of Heinz tomato ketchup to get it mm-hmm. to get it going because uh-huh. every, everybody knows that ketchup is a non-Newtonian fluid and it can be a little bit challenging to get out of that glass bottle and so uh, I w- did you shake it like jerking off or did you twist shake it I, like uh, like jerking off so I okay I, I sat down at the table and we were like you know I'm I'm, I'm like eight nine ten years old this uh this memory and I pick up the bottle and give it a a very uh, intense shake, not having checked to see if the lid was secure <laughs> on it. And I sprayed ketchup all over like four people in this restaurant. <laughs> Simultaneously with this, out of the kitchen come totally blood boiling cries of pain. One of the women working in the kitchen had dropped her wedding ring in the deep fryer and had like thoughtlessly reached in after it. And so we were in this restaurant where everybody in my vicinity is covered in dripping red liquid. And this woman (laughs) is being carried out by paramedics with this like unbelievable burn on her hand. And it's like, oh my God, it's like this crazy memory where it's like, I've, if one or the other had happened, it would have been kind of like, uh, like okay, like I that I pulled a boner move at a restaurant and sprayed a bunch of people with ketchup, or I saw a woman get a very bad injury at a restaurant. But because it's both, it's like it's this weird water and oil memory where there's kind of like too many feelings and images that kind of like don't resolve to any any like one. <laughs> thought (laughs) you know what i mean wow yeah yeah that memory is all over the map i think about it like once a month and i'm just like what the fuck was that ah that is so much worse than my wedding ring story (laughs) (laughs) losing it boogie boarding in hawaii (laughs) just a little check your privilege adam ben did you see those series of workplace safety videos that that came out in Canada a couple of years ago that were like horrifying. Oh, in like the, way the that super graphic, like guy getting his foot run over by a forklift videos. The one that I was thinking was lady works in a, in a, in a kitchen. I'm the sous chef here. With any luck, I should be head chef by next year. And is like talking to camera saying how, uh, She's supposed to get married tomorrow, but she's not going to. Because I'm about to be in a terrible accident. <laughs> and she's like carrying a pot of boiling water and slips on oil, on fry oil, and dumps the water on herself. <sighs> and it's like the last 10 seconds of the 30 second commercial is just her screaming and they throw to black and a title that says like, you know, workplace safety isn't something to ignore. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like a, a 30 second horror movie. 
Yeah, the uh, the scene in Terminator 2 where he tosses the guy on the cooktop is very hard for me to watch. <laughs> Oof. Man. This has been Restaurant Safety Cast. <laughs> this has been Upset All the Listeners Cast. <laughs> Every, everybody is just sitting in their car on their way to work going like, Oh, God! Oh, why do I listen to these idiots? Oh, Right now there's someone sitting in a parked car outside of a restaurant they're supposed to be working at, and they just, like, throw the car in reverse. <laughs> My love is a So there is a tension throughout the rest of this episode, the tension of Jordy believing his mother is alive while everyone else believes her to be dead. And that is a tension that appears between Jordy and the rest of the crew primarily. Like, yeah. it's sort of like the crew not believing Kalis is real and Worf being the only one who rides for Kalis. Jordy is riding for his mom and everyone else is sort of rolling their eyes every time. Jordy brings her up. Yeah, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but like one of the things that Jordy encounters in a probe mish is a like his mom just like standing in the middle of a room on this ship going like you've got to like take the ship lower. So take it lower, Jordy. I uh I I really need your help on this one. And Jordy's mom is like, "I'm your mom, Jordy. You should listen to what I'm telling you. Take the ship lower." Yeah. She's a little, like, hollow and robotic. She's a little bit like uh, maybe she's been stranded on this ship for seven years and hasn't <laughs> talked to anybody in a long time. She's like, Jordy, love me. <laughs> they also uh, say that she is the captain of a ship that has a predominantly Vulcan crew. Yeah. Which is very interesting to imagine. And I wondered if that sort of factored into how the actress portrayed this character. Mm. Like... Do, do you get a little stiffer if you hang with Vulcans mostly? Well, in the same way that you probably get a little looser if you're hanging with Nausicans. Right? Yeah, like you sort of uh, you sort of become the personality of your crew in some way. Yeah, it's the sort of hair metal to British invasion bell curve of behavioral traits. I'm looking forward to reading that scientific paper, Ben. (laughs) I was just thinking, like, I want to see that series. Like, the series about a crew of mostly Vulcans that get a a captain from Earth who, like, you know, just doesn't act like them, you know? She was captain of the USS Hera, ready for her first command. I'm so excited for my first command, you guys. <laughs> but her crew is no fun. Welcome aboard, ma'am. 200 Vulcans on a ship commanded by a human captain. Good grief. <laughs> Coming this fall, the USS Hera. <laughs> Jordy has like a whole bunch of pretty intense conflicts in this episode one of which is with counselor troy who is like jordy like everybody thinks your mom is dead other than you and so what i'm asking you to do is shut up about her being alive and listen to everybody else like you are coming up with totally insane star trek writer 
level plots about how she might still be alive. He's like, do you even watch this show? Do you know how <laughs> unlikely it is that she's actually dead? <laughs> like they have a McLaughlin group Issue where he's one. like going through it and Data's like, it is highly unlikely. And he's like, yeah, but like, come on, like this is the show we're on guys. And they're like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> now I know Starfleet has told me that my mother is dead. <laughs> But what my theory presupposes is, maybe she's not? (laughs) You know, you get ten punches at that joke, you get a free one (laughs) at the end of the series. What I was going to say is, uh, Jordy's mom's in the water. Space butthole's in the water. Our space butthole. And when those space butthole eyes rolls back, they're like a doll's eyes. A brown eye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. We're talking about anything but the episode, aren't we? So they basically say, we're going to get the Rasanante back in a way that has nothing to do with going deeper and saving the Hera, which you believe to be on the surface of this planet. And uh, that's just... That's just tough tits for you, Jordy. Like, that's that's how it's going to go. Your theory is interesting, but... Nearly impossible, sir. This is like an interesting point of inflection here, because I feel like there have been episodes where... Like, for example, the episode where it's not the universe, it's the Doctor, mm-hmm. or it's not the, it's not the Doctor, it's the universe. Like, she is telling them that people are disappearing from the ship, and... They believe her for, like, most of the episode, absent any evidence. And Jordy does not get the same treatment here. No. It's pretty unfair. Jordy gets pretty strange treatment from the crew throughout. Like, he gets a lot of hang time with Riker. Uh, W slash R slash T, his ability to do the mission uh, immediately after his mom's presupposed death. Yeah. And... It's strange how Riker treats him because it's clear that Riker cares about him professionally in the first scene. And it takes that second scene for us to realize that like Riker cares about him personally, but only in the lens of his own grief and what he went through with his own mother. It is really one of those scenes where it is like, I mean, it's, it's a very tempting thing, especially when you have a massive ego like I do which is like you're listening to somebody tell you something about something they're struggling with and just compare it to something from your life. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't do that, Riker. Like, that's a really dick move. Like, oh, yeah, I know what you're going through with your mom. My mom died when I was very young, and so I've thought a lot about this. Like, that's not the right way to support somebody who is dealing with, like, a choice between grieving and trying to make a last-ditch effort to save his mother. Jordy's relationships with everyone in this episode are a little strange, even with his own parents. I mean, he mentions that he had a chance to hang with his mom a couple weeks ago and, and didn't take it. And then he talks to his dad a little later. His dad played by the great Ben Vereen. Yeah. And his dad is like, uh, yeah, so like we're going to plan a funeral and stuff, and I guess we're going to have it on Vulcan because all of her crew are Vulcans, and you know, uh, your, your family and I are going to have another personal service later. And Jordy's like, whoa, man, like 
that is uh that's a little soon don't you think maybe think like how soon after you go missing would you want a funeral ben yeah i mean one thing i've uh come to learn in uh becoming a member of my wife's family is that in in their uh tradition it is like very pressing business to get the funeral did hmm. like it's like if somebody passes away the funeral is like days from now like if not like the no next question. day yeah so like um which is which is very far on the other end of the spectrum from what i was used to from my family which is like Hey, we'll have a celebration of life six months later. (laughs) (laughs) We'll scatter their ashes in the ocean and then like play some jazz music at a local church if we can rent it out or whatever. Which fate are you now uh, obligated to? You mean like for my own funeral? (laughs) Gosh, I hadn't hadn't really thought about it. Um, I mean, I'm clearly going to be involved somehow. Yeah. Yeah. You'll I just the, want to know what what I can do. You'll work the door, right, buddy? I want to be handing out those pamphlets like uh, those guys in Vegas hand out porn flyers, like tap tap, <laughs> flick them on your, on your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they get that door guy? He seems familiar. <laughs> he looks like Kyle McLaughlin a little bit. <laughs> I am the cutest of all. So Jordy goes on like a rogue mission to rescue Ma Duke and he goes down by himself to the cybernetics lab where he's been doing this and Data catches him and is like, um, I'm going to help you do this rogue mission. You're my best bud. Strange choice on Data's part, right? Like they both sort of discuss how much trouble they're going to get into, but I think Data deep down knows that he's not going to get into any trouble at all. Yeah. Data can talk his way out of this one. Jordy maybe da- less so. The thing that Data loves the most, life-threatening actions. <laughs> Second most, disobeying orders and going rogue. <laughs> Data is, has has a rich history of talking his way out of these types of things. Yeah. Um so they do the the rogue mission. They are lowering the ship deeper and deeper into the atmosphere of this gas giant. And it starts to become clear from the bridge that things are not going the way they're supposed to. Like they're trying to get the ship out. They're trying to save the starship, right? Like they're like, everybody died, but at least we can save the ship. And now the ship is going too deep for them to be able to do that. As they lower the ship more and more, the, the, the story of the mom character starts to kind of crack. And what, winds up becoming clear is that she is not in fact the like like she's been saying that she's on board the Hera which is on the surface of the planet and they've like been broadcasting on subspace to get his attention in the probe and it's it's in fact true that she is a some kind of subspace life form that lives on this planet and she's she and her compatriots got stuck on on the uh, Rocinante and they're, you know, like it's, it's not good for them to be this high in the atmosphere. They want to be on the surface, I guess. Is there such a thing as a surface on a gas giant planet? Yeah. I think they have like rocky cores. Yeah. Okay. Or they're like theorized to have them. Maybe they don't. I don't know. 
Good enough for me. <laughs> the like save mom mission turns into a save these intelligent aliens that we just discovered exist mission. And like they, I guess, sacrifice the ship to that end, right? Like they sacrifice the this uh, this ship that they are trying to salvage. Yeah, in order for these aliens to live there. Yeah, the and, idea. and the mortal remains of all the crew on that ship, which seems like eh, <laughs> it's going to be yeah. a tough sell for the families back home, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we could have gotten them, but um, <laughs> one guy was hallucinating, so we didn't. <laughs> Do not reply to this email. This email box does not go anywhere. <laughs> it's a tough end for all those people. They just ca- got cut up in something they didn't understand. These aliens hitched a ride, and then pulled them down to the planet. Yeah. Bad news. So the button on the episode is Jordy getting reprimanded by Picard in the ready room. You disobeyed my direct order. You put yourself in grave danger. I am not happy. You're dismissed. Oh, by the way, sorry about your mom. <laughs> I guess we don't see the part where Data gets reprimanded because that doesn't happen, right? Yeah, I mean, he says, I'll deal with Data separately Jordy's trying to cover for data but yeah yeah we can only assume that data gets off scot-free right he always does he's like he's like both Bo and luke duke (laughs) (laughs) and and his his robot body is the general lee you're not the first person to say it adam (laughs) really no you are Okay. <laughs> did you like this episode, Ben? Uh, I didn't. Um, I think that this episode misses on a bunch of levels. And, I mean, like I said, I think that there's a lot of things that are really cool about it. I love the suit that Jordy is in. I love the way they kind of they kind of jaws with the probe where they never show it you know, all on screen at once. Um, I think it has, it's, there's a lot of potential in a lot of the premises in this episode. And I think it just kind of stumbles in execution. For something, for a story as emotional as it is on paper, it was interesting how cold it felt throughout. And I just want to read you this little snippet here, which I found fairly illuminating when discussing matters of whether or not a show has heart. It was during the production of this episode that Ronald D. Moore felt TNG had gone as far as it could be taken. Quote, I think it was a point where we were in the room and we were talking about bringing Jordy's mother in and we all kind of looked at each other and we were like, this is sad. This is the best we can do. Is this the best we can do, Jordy's mother? It was such a who cares idea that we were just sort of, oh man, this show has got to end. <laughs> Isn't that fucking awful? That is awful. Like, and it's and it's especially awful because it shows like how limited television was in this time. You know, like if you're you trying have... to break episode three of season seven, and you're already like, well, this show's fucked. How yeah. do we how do we even do this? Like, can you think of a modern TV show that would despair at the idea of learning more about the family life of a character, like one of the main characters? 
Yeah, no, not at all. It's ridiculous that 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 seemed like a pathetic, losery, you know, this is the end kind of moment to them. I wonder how much of it has to do with Deep Space Nine spooling up across the street, like. Oh, it's spooled at this point. Like Deep Space Nine has probably been renewed for season two at this point, and. Yeah, I mean, but like the excitement that comes from writing a new show and yeah. creating for a new show versus a show in its seventh season. Yeah. They, like you can't help but compare the excitement in both camps. I mean, I was reading about how like Star Trek Generations, Deep Space Nine, TNG, and the pre-production of Voyager were all happening like right at the same time. Which is like this this crazy like couple of months where like the most Star Trek ever was happening. I guess if if you're if you're locked to the TNG side of things, you've got to be feeling like, well, yeah, the most Star Trek ever is happening, but this is not where all of the excitement and action is. Like that's all happening in the other rooms. I think this is the trap, though, in season seven. If you are of the mind that Star Trek is a person or a group of people and you just feel like you're running out the clock telling people stories instead of pivoting into play style stories, I think that's where things can go stale. And that's where things clearly have become stale, Hmm. at least to the people creating the show. It makes me nervous for what we're going to see for the rest of the season, to be honest. I really... (laughs) Like, reading that made my skin crawl. Ew. Well, uh, one thing that never goes stale for me, Adam, is priority one messages. Do you want to see what's in our inbox? They so frequently make my skin crawl. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship then our first priority one message is of a personal nature it is from Haley. it is for dan and it goes like this i know this will be a little late thanks raz and Pravim. <laughs> but happy 30th maybe all that trek in college and again in grad school wasn't a waste after all since i am not a cards person i'll just say like a pack lid please you are smart. You are nice. You make us move to New York. Thank you for making us go. It is good. <laughs> Happy birthday. Love, Haley. I just want to be clear, Haley, that we've made, we have made it very clear to the network that if any of our viewers wish to purchase a Priority One message for a date in the future that has been camped on by Raz and Plavim, <laughs> they have the ability to kick Raz and Plavim off of that date. So do not think that all of the Priority One slots are taken by them uh, because we have empowered them to move stuff around so that we can get actual non-Raz and Plavim messages. Yeah, I say, Isn't I, that right, Ben? Yeah, any, any moving of a, of a Raz and Plavim is is pre-endorsed so um, <laughs> i mean but but we've been very lucky in in moving as many jumbotron priority one messages as we have uh, and we uh, really appreciate all of the efforts from our community and uh, from raz and plavim as well we certainly don't look a raz and plavim horse in the mouth 
Speaking of which, Adam, our next priority one message is from Claudia, and it's to Plavim. Hmm. <laughs> As if on cue. Yeah. I mean, how unlikely is it that <laughs> there would be a Plavim-related situation r- right around the corner? Uh, here's the message. Thanks for the birthday wishes. Right back at you. The Barry White-esque musical accompaniment felt a little unnecessary and misleading for the viewers of this podcast. I have been and always will be on Team Raz. Whoa! (laughs) Go back to your patio of shame. P.S. Say hi to your smart, sexy, funny, and amazing wife, Henaviva, of whom you are questionably deserving. Man, Raz's wife comes into the picture. Coming strong. Like from the top rope. Yeah, that is a <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Plavim is trying to wage a war of attrition. But yeah. when when Raz and now Claudia punch back, they punch back so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like it's like, oh wow, the last like five Plavim P1s kind of got erased by that. Yeah, you think you got Raz down, and then you got Claudia coming in with a steel chair. Yeah. Well, uh, if you have a message of the priority nature, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200, and they are just a great, great way to help with the ongoing production of our show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Ben? What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did, Adam. One thing that we kind of glossed over because we were too busy talking about burning ourselves and shit uh, (laughs) was that um, the Batman suit is dangerous to Jordy. Like, the reason he gets burned is that the sensors can overload him and, like, cause a feedback loop. And they, like, they keep pulling him out of this thing when he gets overwhelmed by it. And the doctor is firmly uh, stated her objection to him getting back in it ever. Um, and and that is the backdrop of Data deciding to help Jordy go on this suicide mission. <laughs> and so, and it really is a suicide mission. Like, he could die. And I just really felt like Data was kind of projecting his, his values onto Jordy <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> And and for that, Data earned my drunk Shimoda for the episode. That's a hell of a Shimoda. How about yourself, Adam? Uh, I am going to go with Jordy. So much of what Shimoda did didn't make any sense. <laughs> and Jordy has come close to dying over and over again in this VR experiment. He's been burned. And let's just say his mom is down there. Let's let's say for a moment that Jordy's right and she's alive. Like, would his mom want him to risk his life to go down and save just her? Like, they make the case that Jordy and his mom aren't that close because if they were, he would have spent time with her when he had the chance to. But because of that, because he didn't choose to do that and they aren't that close... The whole idea of him risking his life for her, I guess, is supposed to come out of some sort of guilt. (laughs) 
but that guilt it just rings as super hollow for me. So, like, there's stuff about Jordy's character and the actions he chooses to take that just don't make sense in context of the episode or his character. And so, I guess for that whole cat basket of reasons, <laughs> Jordy is my drunk Shimoda. How do you fit all those reasons in there with your disruptor, Adam? I know. Hardly enough room for those reasons and a disruptor. <laughs> Just gotta, you gotta press the reasons down, really squish them in there. That's it. That basket is real big. <laughs> Super big. It's a picnic basket. Darmok, Angelad, and Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm gonna head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by seven customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? Next episode is Season 7, Episode 4, Gambit, Part 1. Riker is shocked to find Picard, who has been missing and presumed dead, posing as a mercenary on an alien ship. Do you remember this episode, Adam? If I remember this episode correctly... Uh, does Picard wear basically a vest and a vest only, like an open vest <laughs> as his costume? <laughs> I yeah, sure hope I'm right about this, but just, I think... It's just vest, chest, dick, legs. <laughs> yeah, he's poo-bearing with a vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I recall seeing just a lot of beef stew here. That's that's the enduring memory. Oh, and isn't Rolaire in a big part of this too? Is that... Is, is she not that? I thought we had lost Roe, but... No, I think we're due for the Roe Double Cross episode, and I don't know if this is it, or maybe I'm thinking it's a different one. Man, that's exciting. I Like, I was getting real bummed out about season seven with all that shit you were talking about, it, Adam. Uh, if if we have some Roe episodes still in the mix, I'm uh, excited anew. When you have Roe, you have hope, Ben. <laughs> That's the political bumper sticker that I'm putting on my car. Fuck yeah. Ben, one thing that fills us with hope every episode are our legion of viewers talking about the show, grading our jokes, <laughs> criticizing our many failures. They do that over on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at CutForTime. Ben is on there as at BenjaminR, A-H-R. That's me. Uh, there's also Facebook pages and groups, a Reddit page all on its own, and also the r slash Maximum Fun Reddit page. We owe so much to Dark Materia, who very kindly agreed to grant us permission to use the Picard song as our theme music retroactively after we had already launched our podcast. Uh, it was a... Uh, what a mensch. And uh, we should also thank Adam Ragusia, who has basically a million times now come through in a pinch where we had some idea for a thing that needed music and just said like goose give us music for free <laughs> and uh and he did it yeah uh he's goose done it us up. he's done it every time uh, and uh we really appreciate it um we should thank all of our viewers that support us at maximumfund.org slash donate and everybody that leaves a nice review for us on Apple Podcasts is a big help. Helps us get the show in front of more people. Uh, with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that has a magical 
button pad on its belt that can hurt anybody that it needs to. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.